You're listening to Guitar Goddess Radio with Azina. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Guitar Goddess. We have another great show for you today. We have for you uh, Diana Giovinazzo Tierney, who is an author. She's a musician. She's a podcaster. She does a whole bunch of things, and we're going to talk about that here tonight. So welcome to the show, Diana. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Oh my gosh, this, I've been looking forward to this for a while because <laughs> you like do kind of what I do as far as all these multiple things and I want to talk to you about how you hold it down. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's called juggling. I juggle really well. <laughs> you, do, you do it beautifully and you calendar beautifully and you know we'll get into all that in a minute but you're also a guitarist. I am, yes. I am an out-of-practice guitarist, but I am definitely a guitarist. Um, being a guitarist kind of, it's in the blood. Yeah. My father was a guitar, or is a guitarist. Okay. Um, he's got a collection of guitars. And my parents actually met because of the guitar. My mother, really? yeah, my mother was teaching my dad how to play, or vice versa. I can't remember. But somebody was teaching somebody how to play, and that's how they met. And I'm here because of the guitar. And then, yeah, and so it was just natural that I picked it up when I was a teenager. I love it. That's so romantic. So your parents met because of the guitar. Like, we don't hear those stories very often. <laughs> yes, and then they divorced eight years later. So, I mean, oh. you know, <laughs> there's a balance to everything, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And what type of guitar do you like to play? Do you play acoustic? Do you play electric? you play everything? Um, it's mostly acoustic. Okay. As I got older, I found I liked the acoustic the most. Yeah. Um, though when I was a teenager, I was about ready to sell my soul for a Fender Stratocaster, <laughs> which I still have. Um, that was my baby. And um, I remember coming out here, I used to come out, I lived in New York and grew up in New York. And I come out to California for visits with my dad and my stepmom. And sometimes I would do Christmas with them. And sometimes I would do summer vacation. And um, it was Christmas time and they had this just giant um, bag, like Christmas bag in the back behind their couch. And they kept telling me it was a present for my little sister. And she's 12 years younger than me. And so they were like, oh, it's just a big teddy bear for her. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And I'm like, all the Christmas presents are open. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get my guitar. And then my mother calls. And they're like, oh, let's open up Kristen's present. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. We're opening my sister's present while my mother's on the phone. Okay. And we open it up. And there's still pictures of me just face all lit up over this guitar. Aww. That it was just everything to me and then I moved out to California when I was 17 moved in with my dad and it was that guitar in a suitcase that came with me and that was all I had to my name so. that is such a typical story I have my guitar and one bag of clothes and that's it that's it that's all you need is a guitar and a bag of clothes exactly so true <laughs> now I have a question I'm curious as to how um guitar playing led to writing? Um, it was kind of natural, I think, for both. It was just yeah. kind of those things that, um, I think with music, the lyrics, you know, you look at the lyrics of a song and it speaks mm -hmm. to you and you hear stories in music and in the songs. And I just, I don't know, it just kind of came together. It was just one of those destined things, really. 
Yeah, and you do both so well. I mean, you're you're so prolific as a writer. Like I've I've seen some of your writings. I've heard some of your writings. You know, you read some at an event um, last month, which was really amazing. And you know, I just wonder. And you're also a podcaster, and I just wonder, like, how do you balance all of this? Um, like I said, juggling is really great skill to learn. <laughs> Um, and comp uh, compartmentalizing is a big thing where it's like the podcast is every Thursday night and that's what we do is that's when we do it. Um, and then everything has a time and a place and yeah, the calendar calendar is more calendaring is more important than breathing <laughs> part of the paralegal skills, um, that I learned because I think my first day on the job when I was a brand new paralegal, I screwed up the attorney's calendar. The attorney that I work for who yeah and she was a crazy lady oh. um so I learned really really fast calendaring is more important than breathing and it just once you have a solid calendar you mm -hmm. can just go with it it just all seems to work out no it's true and and I think that translates to music as well you mm -hmm. know there are very few artists that I get to talk to who do it full time, you know, you mm -hmm. gotta have your, your day hustle and for you, you're a paralegal mm -hmm. and you're also a writer. And, you know, I think that calendaring is something that artists for by and large have not mastered. And I think that mm -hmm. once you do master it, that the world is your oyster. Like you can oh, do yeah. anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Google uh, calendar um, saves my life on a daily basis because I've got it on my phone. It syncs to my computer. Um, it syncs to everything else for the podcast. So my podcast partner can see the guests that I've booked. Um, so it's all on there. Um, I'm just having it and referring to it because I'm not going to remember in two hours. Nor should you. I mean, <laughs> why, why use up that brain power when you have technology that can do it for you? you exactly. Know? And I could use that brain space to actually create something. So Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. You know, being that this is Women's History Month, I would like to know, like, is there a woman in particular in music who inspires you? Oh, gosh. To name just one is kind of hard. Because um, I go through, I'll have musicians of the month. Right now, the one that I'm actually kind of obsessed with is Mina. She's an Italian musician. I don't know if you've heard of her. No. Um, she was around in, mostly in the 60s. Okay. Um, she's got a song that's on a Target commercial. And it's Tarantella de Luna. Ah. And yeah, and she was um, kind of like the Italian Elvis, where... I don't know who she is. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't know who she was until about a little over a month ago. I was like, all right, mm -hmm. I want to do some more Italian music for some of my soundtracks for mm -hmm. my writing. Mm -hmm. And I came across her and I was like, wait, I know her. And then, you know, I started listening to more songs and I looked her up and she was just this fierce woman and was, she's still alive. Um, but yeah, she was like the Elvis of Italy, I say, because they called her the lioness of, I want to say, Calabria. Mm. And she swung her hips around a lot in the 60s, <laughs> which in Italy, they're far more reserved than we are, especially when, when, when it comes to women. So they were just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And she got herself into trouble. She, you know, had an affair with a married man and had a kid with him. And she still fought through that stigma and still came out a success. 
Um, so I'm just kind of infatuated with her story and with her music right now. Oh, I love it. And I'm so glad you shared that. And she sounds like another topic for one of your books. Oh, yeah, I would love it. I would love it. It's either a topic for a book or even a, a screenplay for one of a biopic. That would be awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what are you writing right now? Tell us about your writing project. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> um, my baby is uh, The Woman in Red, a novel of Anita Garibaldi. And she is another really fierce woman. Um, she was born and raised in Brazil. At the age of 16, she was forced into a marriage that she didn't want. Um, because back in the 19th century, women just didn't have that choice. You marry who you're told to marry. And then this Italian comes into port and he is a freedom fighter and he, her region of Brazil is breaking off into a civil war and she meets him and she falls in love and she just, she has to choose between her family and everything else, her reputation, even her family's reputation and choose between that and the man that she loves and she chooses him and she goes off with him on all these crazy adventures and I mean, I say crazy because they're, she's off fighting with him that you know, <laughs> stuff that 19th century women don't do. Um, so she's a real inspiration. And it's really great to be able to get a book out about a woman who is misunderstood. And, you know, the legends about her that everybody thinks they know, the primary one isn't even true. Mm. So it's just really exciting to be able to get that out into the world. I love that. And what's so awesome about that and I know I say awesome a lot it's my favorite word in the whole world <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorites in my top 10 too so I can totally understand yeah I, I'm like you know I love that word because it just it encompasses so much but what's so awesome about that is I feel like you know traditionally women have had to toe the line because mm -hmm. of you know customs or what have you and so their stories weren't being told mm -hmm. and if they were being told they weren't being told accurately yes yes so i love that we live in a time where we can do this research and gather this information and get it out there to the world mm -hmm. you know? and what you're doing is so important and i'm so grateful to you you know for for your contributions to women and to mm -hmm women in history and women mm -hmm. in the present, you know, and, you know, you're just doing great things and I'm just happy and proud to know you. Oh, thank you. And, and that's one of the things that's great about historical fiction is because it's becoming more about um, women's history. Because mm -hmm. as you said, uh, it wasn't accurate in the historical record because when you look at the historical record of the teach, it's, politics and war and what were th those were the two things women weren't allowed to be in mm -hmm. and so you have very few women but you're getting more authors that are coming out and they're speaking about women's history um like jennifer lamb who was at the uh, mm -hmm. event with me with her book a uh, wonderful book um the lost season of love and snow mm -hmm. that story came from a line in a history book where her main character, Natalia, was considered, oh, that bitch who got the, the, our most famous man yeah. uh, in Russia killed. And she was like, wait, why is she called this? What's so important? What's so bad about her? And she looked it up and she just, she's creating her voice again, bringing these voices back um, that people don't normally hear. It's so true. Why, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really fantastic. And, and I also think like, I'm just gonna go spiritual a little bit. Mm -hmm. I feel like the soul never dies. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like the souls of these women are speaking through the authors such as yourself so that mm -hmm. you can get these stories down. Mm -hmm. When you're writing, do you ever feel a sense of a connection other than, you know, I mean, yes, you're writing, you're doing the research, but do you feel like an otherworldly type connection when you're writing? <laughs> <laughs> In a lot of ways, yes, um, you do. Especially because I was able to see her words. Mm -hmm. uh, and hear her voice because uh, you hear the voice when you're writing but then also I was looking at um, one of the, my books for reference actually had her talking to her friend mm. and so I got to hear her voice as she communicated with her friend and her friend wrote all this stuff down wow. and yeah and just having like this basic like the script of what they said and what she talked about um, it's it meant so much and the next book that I want to write is about another woman named Maria Rhoda, and I just got my hands on two of her most famous uh, essays. They were, yeah, yeah, they were. This is from the professor, you, you mentioned that there was a professor? Yeah, her name is Jennifer, I can't remember her last name, but she specializes in Maria Rhoda, and I was able to get in touch with her, and because she teaches women's studies in New York, and she had just translated both of them from oh Italian. God. And yeah, and it's just so beautiful just to listen to her, her talk. And Maria was so passionate about women's rights and women's labor rights too. And her most famous essay was um, about suffering of a woman and who knows suffering more than a woman. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a beautiful essay and I just can't wait to start diving into that one. Mm -hmm. But I gotta do a little bit more research. <laughs> I love it though. I love it. Like book one is, is done and we're mm -hmm. moving on to book two. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's just the artist's journey is that, you know, you're always creating, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you start one project, you're like, okay, I feel good about this one and ready to launch it out into the world. But mm -hmm. as soon as you say you're ready, I feel like something else comes in like immediately. Oh, before, before oh. I'm even ready. Yes. Maria, I was on draft two of Anita when Maria started piping up in my head like okay uh, you know my story needs to be told and now I'm working on you know putting Maria's together and the third one's like um excuse me I'm here I want, I want my story told too and so that one is starting to like I'll take some time and I'll do a little preliminary research sketch mm -hmm. some stuff down mm -hmm. just to kind of pacify that voice and then go right back to Maria just to kind of keep that one simmering on the back burner wow and so you talked just a little bit about your process. Tell us your whole process of bringing, you know, your book to life. Like, where does well, it start? <laughs> looking at Anita, um, it was a matter of, actually Anita is an interesting story. So I'll tell you how I ended up getting started with Anita. And it's partially, it's the men in my life's fault, really. I'm going to blame them <laughs> for this. Um, my father, he's an author too. He's got a book coming out. And he's in very much nonfiction. And he was like, you know, if you can talk about, do a book on Italian culture and feminism, I can, you know, we can pitch it to my editor and we can get you out there and get you published. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. Turns out I suck at nonfiction. I can do a, po I can do a blog post, give me a thousand words. And that's my limit. Beyond that, I'm like, I don't know what else to write. And so I was really, really struggling with it. And while I'm struggling with this project, He's like, you know, I came across this woman named Anita Garibaldi for some of the research I'm doing. You should check her out. You would really like her. And I was like, well, she's from Brazil. She's not my in my categories. 
I'm not going to. And he started nagging me about it. And finally, I was just like, okay, for Christ's sakes, mister, you finished what you started. I'm going to actually, I'll go ahead and I'll take a look at this. And I fell in love with her story. And at the same time, I got really angry about some of the ways that she was portrayed because it was very much um, everybody wrote about her was a guy. Mm -hmm. And so I had that stilt and I'm like, women don't react this way. And I was venting about that to my husband at one point. And I'm like, this is awful. And I'm so angry. And he's like, well, if you were to write a book, how would you rewrite it? And I just described the scene. I just, I just said it, you know, perfect verbatim of how I wanted the scene to go. And he's like, well, I guess you know what you got to (laughs) do. And from that, that night I started writing it. And then it's when you're doing historical fiction, it's a little bit different from other genres because you get an idea and an outline and a sense of what you want to do mm-hmm. after you do an uh, initial research. And then you, after you've got that first kind of draft, you have to go back and do more research and check and then do another draft and then go back and do a little bit more research. So you're constantly going back and forth between the research books and the literature. And for somebody who's a nerd like me, who's like, Ooh, research. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, it really kind of satisfies that and quenches that research thirst that I get. Cause that's one of the things I love about being a paralegal is doing research, finding answers. And I love history and I love literature. And so after I uh, decided on Anita, everything else just kind of fell into place. And I was like, why haven't I been in the historical fiction genre all my life? <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. So your husband and your father, Mm -hmm. so when the book comes out, you know, they're going to be bowing, you know, (laughs) 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 my contribution to women. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. My husband's going to add, and I was really gracious when she wouldn't do laundry. I love it. I love it. Great. That's great. And I love your process, you know, the back and forth and, Mm -hmm. you know, I love the paralegal aspect, how you tie it all together Mm -hmm. because for me, I didn't enjoy the research portion about being a paralegal, but I really, really love doing research for other things. Mm -hmm. So I think your book idea would quench my thirst as well too, like researching about this woman, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what I do on on the site, you know, with Guitar Goddesses, I'm always like trying to meet new women who play guitar and have an interest in guitar because by and large women are erased Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to, you know, playing guitar and sometimes songwriting and composition. Mm -hmm. And I want to play a game with you. Okay. And this game game is, (laughs) (laughs) it's called past, present, or future. I'm sure you've played it in other realms before. So you get to pick past, present, or future, and then I'll ask you a question. Okay. Um, Future. Okay. Who would you like in your fantasy band? Oh my goodness, in my fantasy <laughs> band. Um, L King. Who's that? L King. Oh, um, all right. Yeah. That's she would be in fantasy band. Yeah, I, I have a thing for blues and jazz, and I love her last album, and she seems like she would be a lot of fun. And I have a tendency for musicians. I like the naughty girl musician. <laughs> And, and and she would she totally fits that description. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we're gonna play another round. So okay. future. So we're gonna do present or past. 
Um, because I'm a history buff, let's go with past. All right. What woman in the past brought the guitar to the forefront? Okay, the guitar to the forefront. Um, I would say Tracy Chapman had a huge hand in my guitar when I was a teenager. It was her and Dave Matthews band that I listened to nonstop when I was in high school. Wow, cool. So you were all into the fast car and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you go to Lilith Fair to see her? No. Um, I have a very weird kind of upbringing with my mom back east. Okay. Um, that stuff was very wrong for me to listen to. I was listening to it on the down low because it wasn't devout Christian. <laughs> so I could not go to things like Lilith Fair. I heard about them and yeah. wished I could be one of those girls, but I could not go to Lilith Fair. <laughs> I love how that shapes us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like my dad was like, oh no, just play piano. You're fine with your piano. Leave the guitar. That's for boys. And all I wanted was a guitar because he said it's for boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as they tell you it's for boys, you're like, well, then I'm going to do it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why we're here today is because I disobeyed and finally went out and, and got myself a guitar, mm-hmm. uh, which is so much fun. Well, I have too many guitars, actually. <laughs> but um, speaking of Tracy Chapman, you were at a concert this past weekend. I was. I was at a Flogging Molly concert. <laughs> I love them so much. I think if any band um, could do the soundtrack to my life, yeah. it would be them. Um, they have, like, every time, like, my husband and I have played this game, okay, what songs would be in our soundtrack to our life? Yes, that was the next question! Oh, darn it! Okay, okay, go for okay. it, go for it. <laughs> so, I can go for it? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so, um, the biggest soundtrack to my life would have been, uh, Black Friday Rule by Flogging Molly. Because okay. um, that just describes <laughs> where I was coming from in yeah. New York and to where I am uh, today. And just that idea of that dream of being something more than what I was. Mm-hmm. So the, the life that I have now is pretty much the life I dreamed of when I was 17. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was all about that perseverance and that work and just finding what it was that you needed and wanted. Wow. So the whole, there what you said the soundtrack of your life pretty much yeah that whole composition that whole composition um plus a little bit of um drunken lullabies All right <laughs> <laughs> yes because many times i find myself in the same old mess singing drunken lullabies um tomorrow comes a day too soon um yes. uh there's if i ever leave this world alive and even um, for my writing, because as I mentioned, everything I write has a playlist. Mm-hmm. They make it on to pretty much every playlist. Um, even though I write about Italian culture and Italian women. Yeah. Um, see, the one that's on Woman in Red is Don't Let Me Die. Mm. And, you know, don't, you know, don't let me die. So wondering what I love, what it was that I left behind. And that speaks so much to Anita. Absolutely. Especially, yeah, and they have a line about, you'll have to bury me twice. And they did. They did. They buried <laughs> Anita. Um, three times, technically. Oh, three times. Yeah, she had to get left behind at a farmhouse because she died in battle to unite Italy, and they buried her, and then they, afterwards, they were able to go back and get her, and he buried her in his hometown of uh, what's now Nice, France, Uh 
And it was then at the time it was Nizza and it was part of Italy. And when it became part of uh, France, he threw a fit, Garibaldi threw a fit because that's where he, you know, he was from. Mm -hmm. And so he, but he took her body from there, her coffin from there and made sure that it was in Italy. He, um, I want to say she's in Ravenna, which is the right. same town that Dante is buried in. Wow. So yeah, so three times she couldn't see it before she was finally left to rest. Woo, that's heavy. <laughs> mm -hmm. She has that's a heavy story. So was that my present, the, the soundtrack? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's good though. You were right there, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry guys, I have a tickle on my throat. Mm. <laughs> it's so weird for me to be on a podcast where we're not drinking wine. I know, tell me about women, wine, and words. Wine, women, and words. Wine, women, and words, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it's still all the same thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Michelle came to me because I'm the, typically I'm the one who gets her into trouble or I come up with these harebrained ideas and we just go off and do it. And then she came up to me and she was like, she was going through her bachelor's degree for journalism. And she was like, I've got to do this project and I'm going to do a podcast and you're going to do it with me. <laughs> and I was like, well, um, okay. And so we did, uh, we started it off together and she came up with a name. Um, she's like, this is what I'm thinking. And you and I both love books. That's how we became friends was over books. And we like to drink wine. So we're just going to throw it together and see what happens. And that's what we've done. We're coming up on two years. It'll be two years in June that we've been doing it. And we just keep expanding and keep learning. Um, we taught ourselves how to podcast. Um, Actually, I actually had a friend who we would go to periodically when we were really stuck on something. And we'll be like, Gerald, can you help us? Um, there, He's over with the Pop Culture Cosmos oh, cool. group. So yeah, he's always there whenever we need a lifeline to help us out for something. And um, yeah, and we just keep expanding and just keep adding guests and just ha we have fun. And it's, it's all about having fun. Absolutely. Everything's about having fun. And <laughs> And that's what I love about doing this too. I get to talk to women such as yourself about mm -hmm. music and everything else because <clears throat> no one does just one thing. You know, everyone comes on the show and they're like, yes, I play music and I do this and I do this and I do this. And I think that women are so multifaceted that it's fabulous to bring us all together to just kind of chit chat and compare notes and learn from each other. Mm -hmm. That's just so much fun for me. Mm -hmm. So what's on your, you said your um, playlist for writing. Do you have a mm -hmm. playlist for working when you're doing your research? Um, I use the playlist for the book that I'm looking at, okay. that I'm working on. That's what I typically use. Um, and I'll have that playlist for like in the, in the car and I'll use that as a meditation background. So I can, and it'll get me into the thinking of the plot yeah. and what I want for it. Um, and yeah, each one has different ones for the feeling of it. I love that. And so every time you start a project, do you curate the playlist mm -hmm. first? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then the playlist has a tendency to change and morph as a, as the book changes and morphs. And so hopefully by the end, I'll have this nice, beautiful soundtrack with all the different songs in it. And it was actually funny. I was at the genre LA 
uh, conference a couple weeks back and I was on a panel for historical fiction and somebody asked us, you know, what do you do about getting into the theme of your book? Because if you're writing something that's, you know, in the past century, how do you do it? And me and another woman were immediately were like, without skipping a beat, we're like music. <laughs> music is what helps us, what's get, what gets us in there. And, you know, 19th century, I can't really get 19th century music. And I don't know if I necessarily want to get 19th century music. <laughs> um, but getting songs that help make me think about the, the Anita and her story, like El King, um, I'm not America's, America's sweetheart, where she sings, you know, I'm not America's sweetheart, you know, you, but you love me anyway. Right. Um, you know, big, the Don't Let Me Die from uh, Foggy Molly um, is on there. And so some of them are really random, but like Que Sera Sera, <laughs> of all time, that's like on every, every playlist, because it just has to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. You know, and I want to dig deeper into you as the artist. Okay. So as the artist, there is this, this nod, I don't even know how to describe it because it's different for everybody. There's like something inside that you just have to create mm -hmm. no matter what. Like you can't put it aside. You can't just be the paralegal. You mm -hmm. can't just be the wife. You can't just be the daughter. You have to create. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For you, is that... Would you say that's like a muse that pushes you to create? Would you say it's circumstantial, something happens in the world and you're like, oh, I got to write about it. What is the seed that sprouts all of your work, your creativity? For me, it, fe it feels biological. It's, oh. it's in my blood. Once it's, you know, in your blood, it's, I can't, if I'm not writing every single day, uh -huh. I feel like something is amiss. And even if I don't have the energy to write, I'll just write a small blog post. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I'm giving myself a little bit of a break from writing. Um, and right now, I'm kind of itching to get back and start writing more. Um, but when I'm not writing, I'm also a knitter. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I'll knit something. I'm working on a blanket right now. Um, so I've been able to take some time to just knit and just focus on that. And that, even in and of itself, is a bit of a creation slash meditation for me because it's like my hands are busy I turn off everything else and I'll just sit there and knit um so yeah it's it's in the blood I can't not create and I wonder what it's like for people who who aren't creative I'm like you just go home and you just you just watch television right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right yeah we don't understand that life but good for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm like isn't that boring watch anything I have to be doing something simultaneously mm -hmm. which is very interesting um, <clears throat> sorry about this throat thing guys it's just kind of weird tonight I don't know it's dry out I, but it's not really dry it's raining <laughs> <laughs> it's the dust it's kicking up all the dust in the air that's probably what it is because I never have my throat this dry and I'm like oh this is weird okay I'm gonna keep going I'm gonna shoulder on um, I want to talk about your ritual, your writing ritual. Do you have a ritual like I need my cup of tea, I need my wine, I need my certain pen, I need... You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and my rituals are, everybody's rituals are kind of weird and they're kind of interesting to see what everybody's rituals are. Yeah. Um, when I'm actually writing, writing, it's either a cup of tea, 
um, or it's uh, a glass of wine. Um, I'm not picky about the wine. The tea, I'm kind of picky about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it has to be either um, something with just a little bit of caffeine in it um, and something organic. Those are my, my two things I need for my teas. Um, right now, I'm still enjoying some stuff that I picked up from France when I was there in October. Nice. Yes, I was able to get a Bailey's uh, mm -hmm. tea, and um, this one store has a gingerbread tea that's just out of this world. Yum! Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to be so, my sister has to send me more. She's gonna have to send me. She's moving back to the states. Uh, no, this, no, just kidding. I know. I know. I'm like so sad and happy because she gets to be closer. But at the right. same time, I'm like, but but my tea. Right. Just like send me this giant bag of this tea so I could have it for the rest of my life. Um. So yeah, I um I have that. I have to have those things by my side when I write. And I'm either here in my office, as you can see behind me, the green um foresty indoor office. Oh, yeah. Um. Or I have to be like spread out in the bed or on the couch or somewhere. And typically there's a dog draped on top of me um, <laughs> as there is now, which you can't see. Um, and that's my, my evening writing. But I also have, I've gotten myself into the habit of handwriting out everything, a first draft. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and my office, I don't have internet access with a lawyer. Okay. I know it's weird. Um, but during my lunch breaks, if I'm like working on something, I will um, write it out on my lunch breaks while I'm eating my lunch and I'll work and write. And I did that a lot with Anita where I would write out chapters during my lunch and I'd come home and I'd type that up and rework that. And so I kind of feel like that's part of my ritual too, where I have to write out first. And if I haven't written it out first, I'm like, okay, this is kind of awkward. I, you know, I have to work out the thoughts already. I need to work them out on paper first. Neat. So putting it on the computer feels a little like the second draft almost. Yeah. Yeah. And that's neat. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do with all the notes, like all the handwritten ones? Do you keep them? I keep them. You do? I keep them, yeah. I've got a drawer of the notebooks. And then um, a friend gave me a lectern notebook, which is a lot smaller. Yeah. It fits perfect in the purse. Yeah. I'm already on my second one of those. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they, they're kept on the bookshelf now. So your beautiful next, bookshelf. Yes, my my beautiful labor of love. They're on there with my Ernest Hemingway tiki mug. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Guys, Diana and I have this um this thing in common in that we both inherited these bookcases that are gorgeous historical bookcases, mm -hmm. but the predecessors that owned them decided to paint them weird funky colors. <laughs> so, <laughs> In Diana's case, it was black. It was pink first. Oh, pink first. Okay. Pink first, and then it was black. And they use spray paint. And guys, don't don't paint your wood black. Don't you know if you're gonna paint wood, fine. Just don't do black, please, for the love of God, no black. Yeah, and no gold. Like no, like mine was ghetto gold. I called it. Mm -hmm. you know, and and thankfully, you taught me how to remove that paint easily, or it would still be gold in the mm -hmm. garage <laughs> <laughs> well you learn from my three years of trying to figure out what worked best um because i was giving i was on the verge of giving myself poisoning from the fumes from the paint remover <laughs> so much that for a while it just we before we moved into the garage it was in my office and we just like started to soak into the walls oh 
and yeah and so um a friend turned me on it it's called citrus strip and yeah it worked a miracle i wouldn't have been able to finish it without it i love it and i mm -hmm. think that's great you know with women that we're such sharers like we mm -hmm. share information so easily and effortlessly and mm -hmm. you know here you saved me three years you were working <laughs> <laughs> told me about it because I was complaining about never being able to finish this oh and she was like oh you should try this she's like I haven't tried it yet but people all over Pinterest love it and I was like well you know what at this point anything is worth a shot right right yeah because uh, seriously I broke a heater gun on that thing us <laughs> <laughs> so in our books I mean that's the thing when you love books your collectors I mean mm -hmm. there are boxes and boxes in my garage of books waiting to go in my bookcase, which they're not going to fit anyways. Yeah, and it's, yeah, having books in the house has just been a thing. I mean, my, my father just finished, um, he took our family room because now we're all moved out of the house and they remodeled it. So it's just all bookcases except for one wall, which has his guitars. Um, but finally, because before that he had two book uh, shelves and they were so heavy with books that they bowed yeah in the middle because there were there were so many oh and um, so yeah i've done that way too many times mm -hmm. now for up-and-coming artists what would you recommend for them to to do if they have an idea they want to write a book you know what would be your advice to someone who's like thinking about it it's been on their to-do list for a while you know read read everything from shampoo labels to the classics um that's what really helped me was and i have a one of my long-term goals is to read all the pulitzer prize winners and that's going to be something that's going to constantly be i'll get a new i'll get a new book every year but i've got to read them all yeah. um going and it goes back to the 1920s and i've read about half roughly wow um and yeah you and read those now not all of them are the best but <laughs> they are all noteworthy in one way or another and reading those really helped make me a better writer and a better um analyze literature so much better too mm, that's great advice mm -hmm. thank you and one other question i'd like to ask because this one <clears throat> is something that people are afraid of mm -hmm. tell us about working with an editor <laughs> <laughs> You know, you've got to put your ego aside for an editor and you've got to trust them and you've got to find the right one. Somebody who loves your work as much as you do. Um, my editor, Holly, is great because she loves the story uh, almost as much as I do. And so she doesn't try to change my voice. She doesn't try to change um, the story too much. It's how can we make your story better? And I really needed that help and that push, especially since this was my first book and I needed to get myself, pretty much teach myself how to write a novel. Mm -hmm. And so I, in a lot of ways I consider her a tutor and I say, go straight for editors. I love editors. I'm not a fan of critique groups. Ooh. Yeah. Tell I find about. critique groups. Um, it's writing by committee is a lot in a lot of ways and you don't have necessarily have somebody who uh, is professionally trained mm -hmm. to edit um somebody 
who's not necessarily published. In some cases, you might get somebody who's already published. Some cases, you might not. Um, and there's one a funny story. I had I joined a critique group, gave it a shot, and this woman um, read the first part of my my first line in my book was "Bad Omens have followed me my whole life." And she came back and she was like bad omens can't follow you. Bad luck can't, but bad omens can't follow you. You need to change that first sentence. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. And I was like, okay, so bad luck is apparently a thing, but bad omens are like the tooth fairy. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I went, and I went through the, um, the first chapter that they edited and apparent, and she added so many commas yeah. If I read it out loud, I would have sounded like William Shatner. Um, <laughs> and I was like, my grammar is not that bad. And I mean, even going through with the editor, she's not digging me on my grammar very often. Mm. So I was like, okay, this something's off here. So yeah, critique groups, you, you've got to be really, really careful with them and just go straight to an editor who knows what they're doing. Because um, I think they're worth the money to do it just to help make your book so much better. That's good advice. That's very good mm -hmm. advice because you see these critique groups popping up everywhere. Yeah. And I've only been to one and mm -hmm. I didn't put my book out there, but mm -hmm. um, I was horrified at the comments that were coming back. Um, a couple authors were in tears and I was oh. like, did it really? I don't think it should be this way. I think it's supposed yeah. to be fun. I think it's supposed to be constructive fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, were, you know, if I'm reading something, because I'll have um, writing partners, like beta readers. Okay. And I have one friend actually back in New York. Uh, she and I met through blogging. And it turns out we were from the same area of New York. And, and she'll read um, my first drafts and first few drafts. And you know, we'll critique it, and I've read, you know, helped her with her book, and we'll critique each other, and we'll, you know, we'll make suggestions, like, okay, maybe you should do this better, or what was your character thinking here, but we also do, I really love this part, this is a really great job, and we try to lift each other up as we're, you know, trying to make our art better, and sometimes with critique groups, I feel like you lose sight of the fact that this is art, this is somebody's love this is somebody's blood because mm -hmm. um, literally a novel is somebody's blood sweat and tears um i could definitely say sweat and tears for me i have yet to bleed over the book but um <laughs> give me time i might get a paper cut i was about to say a paper cut is forthcoming because <laughs> you said that <laughs> yes exactly exactly um but yeah you put so much of yourself into a novel and people forget that and they just trash it and that's why i have problems with some reviewers too mm -hmm. who will just trash um, books just for the sake of trashing because they think that's what people like and on my blog I try not to trash too much I will give criticism where criticism is due mm -hmm. and but I don't like to actually you know tear somebody's book apart because I know how much it goes into it so absolutely you know and I do reviews as well um, both music and books and my whole thing is I if I can't say anything nice I say nothing at all mm -hmm. Because I don't know that person's circumstance, mm -hmm. you know, when they put this project together. Mm -hmm. And who am I to judge? Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, I always say I love this passage or, you know, I really wish there was more information on blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But to trash someone's work, I'm so not about that. Yeah, yeah. I think there was only one that I was actually really harsh on because it's historical fiction. 
um, and she didn't do the research. Mm. And it was so blatantly wrong. And I, that angered me because when you're doing historical fiction, people think that this is the truth. Yes. And I think it's, you, they assume that you're accurate. And she was so inaccurate that it angered me because um, she was doing a disservice to somebody who actually lived and to the genre itself. Um, but otherwise, it's uh, a matter of giving some, you know, constructive criticism of a story. Like, you know, if I'm not gelling with it, um, you know, I'll say, you know, I didn't really feel about, you know, these characters or this plot. But, you know, overall, this is why you might like the book. You know, that sort of thing. Because yeah. it is more than just words on a paper. This is somebody's mm -hmm. child. And it's, and it's also subjective, you know. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> there are many things that I get there's a stack of books over here. There's many things that I get that I read and I'm, I just don't dig it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hear you on that. I have gotten that too. <laughs> this is not for me, but you know, whatever. And I try to say something positive and if I can't put together enough positive stuff, I just say nothing. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. So people, if you've sent me books and I have said nothing, that's probably <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of do the same way thing too. Or sometimes I'll do spotlights. Like, because I'll have, uh, I'll go through historical fiction book tours. And she's, and they're like, you know, it's okay if you don't like a book, mm -hmm. but you, we don't want bad press while you're on this. So right. if you don't like the book, let us know and you can do a spotlight. So sometimes when you, sometimes when you see a spotlight, it's a matter of, yeah, I didn't like the book. So I'm just going to put this out here just in case you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really great idea, actually. And I should probably do that. Because here's the thing, like we're both in business of supporting women and building women up. You're telling mm -hmm. women's stories. I'm telling women's stories, sharing women, you know, with my community. And I just think it's important, you know, that we share as much as possible, even though I, don't, I may not like every CD or book that comes my way. I should do like you suggest and just mm -hmm. do a spotlight. That way mm -hmm. they're still getting the exposure. Because mm -hmm. even if it's not my cup of tea, then maybe someone else's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, that's one of the things I've had to keep in mind when, um, for both the podcast and the blog is, you know, there might, there might be a book that comes our way that we don't really care for, mm -hmm. um, but somebody else really loves. And we've actually had that where Michelle and I have been like, yeah, we don't really care about this book. But then we get people emailing us going, I really love the book. I picked it up because you had it on there. It was really great. And we're like, oh, okay, this is good. <laughs> so, you know, just even if it's not your cup of tea, it's somebody else's, you know. Absolutely. One person's trash is another man's treasure. That's not too harsh. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, that's good. So how do, how do you pick your guests for your show? Um, a lot of times it's um, books that have come our way. We're like, ooh. You know, this looks good. I'm on um, the review list for a couple of publishers. So I'll get books in the mail from them. And I'm like, hey, this sounds good. Michelle, what do you think about this? Um, you know, or the publicists too. They'll send us their list of who they represent. And we pretty much just pick which ones sound good to us. And we just, we take it from there. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and last question for the, well, no. I'm going to ask two more questions. Okay. One question is for anyone who wants to start their own podcast, what would be your advice? Just do it. Um, <laughs> you don't need all the fancy equipment that people seem to think. Um, just do it. Just put it out there and it'll flow and fall into place. I think it took Michelle and I about four or five months 
to get our groove for what we wanted to do, the, ba the, the basis for what we do now. Mm -hmm. um, and once we got that groove in, um, we were like, hey, let's keep doing this. And then it just fell into place because you can't just sit and wait and plan it out or say, okay, I've got to have like this $3,000 worth of equipment. Mm -hmm. um, all you need is a laptop with a good internet connection, a <laughs> microphone and a webcam and you're good, you're golden. Absolutely, that's mm -hmm. perfect. And the last question for the night, the big question that I love Ooh. to ask everybody is what is new? What's in store? What can we um, be expecting from you in the coming weeks, months? In the coming weeks and months, um, I can tell you, um, you can, we've got lots of authors coming out in Wine, Women, and Words. Um, this month, we've got Jennifer Lamb for Lost Season of Love and Snow coming out at the end of the month. And then we've got the Paris Secret next month. Um, we may or may not have Beverly Jenkins on our show this week. Um, she had a deadline, so she's kind of still up in the air for our guest. Um, so that's, it's primarily the podcast, which is just guests and things happening for that. Um, we have a newsletter out now for that. <laughs> Tell us how we can get the newsletter. Um, you can get the newsletter by going to, we have links on our Facebook uh, page, One Women Awards, our Instagram page, or you can follow me, uh, Diana G. Tierney, on Twitter. And I've got a link to our newsletter. And we are actually doing two giveaways. This month. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So um, people who enter into our um our newsletter are entered for a chance to win uh, the book uh, Women in the Literary Landscape, the WNBA book. Awesome. Yes, we had um, one of the editors on last night on the podcast. We did a special bonus episode with her uh, to talk about Women's History Month and Women in the Literary Landscape. And that book is even more, even cooler than I thought it would be um, after talking to her. And then uh, Jennifer Lamb is giving away two copies of The Lost Season of Love and Snow. And we have a rafflecopter uh, giveaway that is on, if you go to our iTunes page and go on, it's in, our, um, in there, as well as our Facebook and pretty much wherever you find us, we've got a link to that. And if you follow us on Twitter, through that you can follow us on Twitter and rate us on iTunes, you get entered into a copy for a copy of that book. Awesome. Yeah, That's we're just so givers. Fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Diana, thank you so much. Like, I'm so grateful that you came on tonight. This has been great. Thank you. I've loved being here. It was a great talk. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And everyone, make sure you visit Wine, Women, and Words. Mm -hmm. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Okay. I'm a it's little bit dyslexic, so I mix words up and stuff. Horrible thing for a writer, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Wine, Women, and Words. Mm -hmm. The podcast, you can find it on iTunes. and Podcast.com, and we're also on YouTube. Um, so we post our videos on there, so you can see that too. Wonderful. Thank you so much for Thank all you. your giveaways, everything you're doing. And we so look forward to having your book in our hot little hands. Yes, yes. Please. And once I can announce that, I will let you know. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Please come back again. We love to have repeats, as we call them. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to come back. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. And I will see you soon. Keep writing. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> 
If you enjoyed this episode of Guitar Goddess, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a positive review. For weekly updates on concerts, events, and VIP giveaways, don't forget to join our VIP list at guitargoddess.com. You can also find us on the web at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Guitar Goddess Co. Until next time, keep rocking.